Good evening and welcome to Mystery, Murder, and Mayhem. I know I've been away a lot lately, and I do apologize. It's just there's been so much going on lately. But, um, my kids are moving, like, Courtney and Justin and Jax are moving into a new house, so we've been helping them with that. Um, I've had some wisdom tooth issues. I've had a sore throat. Back to school, you name it, it's just been one thing after another. So, I do apologize for my absence, but I'm finally back. So, tonight we're going to be talking about a serial killer that I don't remember ever hearing about or watching any TV shows about. But his name is Maury Travis, and his crime spree happened in the early 2000s. So, stick around and you're going to learn a lot more about him. By the name Maury Travis by chance last week when I read a news article about how a woman found out that she was living in a house that used to belong to a serial killer. And it was that residence's address that led Travis to be arrested for his crimes. Now there's a lot more to it than that than just like going to his house and, and finding him and arresting him, but I'll explain that in a little bit. So, Maury Travis was born in St. Louis, Missouri on October 25th, 1965. There's not a whole lot of information on his early life out there, but we do know that when he was a teenager, he developed a fascination with killing insects. And not only that, he also killed a dog that belonged to his neighbor. At some point, though, during those years, he began fantasizing about torturing and murdering women but he was able to keep that desire in check for quite a while. Now, after high school, Travis enrolled in college, but he wouldn't graduate because he developed a cocaine and crack addiction that pretty much took over a life, and his, or his life, and it's been said that his addiction was one that was running somewhere around $300 a day. $300 a day, y'all. Well, like I said, he dropped out of school because there's just no way you can successfully do college work with a habit like that. So, to fund his habit, he took up Robin's shoe stores. And not only did he have an addiction to coke and crack, but he was quite addicted to having rough sex with hookers. So, the rough sex with hookers also kept him, like... From living out his fantasies about torturing and killing women and it kept that at bay for quite a while well finally the robberies caught up with him and he was arrested well after spending some time in prison for those robberies he was released on parole and it was at that time he went to live in a house that his mom owned in Ferguson Missouri and at first it seemed that he was getting his life together he had a place to stay he became employed at a, as a server at a nice restaurant in Chesterfield, Missouri, and before long, he became engaged. But the couple would never marry, though, and when the fiancé broke up with him, 
Something in him just snapped, and he couldn't fight the urge to torture and murder women any longer. Well, Travis would often visit an area in St. Louis known as the Stroll. And while he was there, he would pick up prostitutes, bring them back to his house, and smoke crack with him. Once he got them good and hot, he would load them, or lead them, sorry about that, to his basement, torture them, and eventually kill them. And he recorded the entire thing with a video camera. The police know of 12 that he killed, but Travis claims to have killed a total of 17. But whatever the final number, he did every single one of them in the same manner and then dumped their bodies either on the streets of St. Louis or out on lonely country roads in that area. We've talked in the past about how prostitutes are easy targets for killers because most of them are runaways or come from other sad situations, so who will miss them? I mean, who would really report them missing because nobody knows? Well, it wouldn't be anyone reporting the sex workers missing or the videotape surfacing or even bloodhounds that would help solve this case. Somewhere in all of this, a newspaper reporter wrote an article talking about the murders. Well, after that story was published, that same reporter received an anonymous letter in the mail with a map of West Alton. On the map, there's an X to show where the body of number 17 could be found. And the reporter gives this information to the authorities who use that map, and they do locate a skeleton. But that map led them to so much more. That map had been printed from the website Expedia.com. I'm still suffering with some of the sore throat effects, but anyway, I do apologize. Now, you know how there's tracking cookies and such on websites. Well, apparently, Travis wasn't aware of this. So, the authorities got in touch with the Expedia people, and Expedia tells them that Microsoft is the company that provides the information for the maps on their website. So, the FBI gets a subpoena and requests information on any maps of West Alton that were made between May the 18th, which was the day that article was printed in the paper, and May the 21st, which is the day that the reporter received the anonymous letter. Well, it took a few days, but Microsoft got back with the authorities and said that only one computer had brought up that map. And that computer has zoomed in on that map, and they had the IP address for the computer that it was done from. Well, from there, the FBI turned to WorldCom Incorporated, and it was WorldCom that was able to trace back and find the username of who had that IP address at that time that the map was printed. Working with Microsoft again, they were able to determine that it was Maury Travis who had printed the map. A few days later, authorities had a search and arrest warrant. The IP address tied to the printed map, along with some DNA and tire tread marks, were enough to arrest Travis, and he was arrested on June the 7th of 2002. After he was arrested, he was taken to an interrogation room at a St. Louis police department. And you could tell by his body language that he was nervous. And he would shift in his chair 
and he drummed his fingers on the table in front of him. Police Sergeant Tim, uh, Tim Sachs told him that they needed his help bringing closure for the victim's families. But it was apparent that Travis saw those women as less than human when he grunted and said, victims. Like, he didn't see them as victims. Well, several of his victims have never been identified, but two were identified as 61-year-old Mary Shields and 19-year-old Cassandra Walker. Then others that were identified was 34-year-old Alyssa Greenway, 36-year-old Teresa Wilson, 46-year-old Betty James, 36-year-old Verona Thompson, 50-year-old Yvonne Cruz, and, or Cruz, sorry about that, and 33-year-old Brenda Beasley. But the thing is, Travis would never go to trial for his crimes. And as a matter of fact, he would never even admit it to the police. Three days after being arrested, despite being on suicide watch, Travis was found deceased in his cell after hanging himself. Now, I want to go back for a minute <clears throat> to that day that Travis was arrested. At 7 in the morning, Sachs, that I remember, or that I mentioned earlier, and several FBI agents knocked on the door of the house that Travis was staying in. When he opened the door, they could tell he was angry, and he was only wearing his boxers. A female that was identified as his girlfriend was with him. The officers presented the warrant and began their search. Now, the ground level of the home was nice and neat. I mean, it gave nothing away. But when they went downstairs to the basement, they were shocked by what they found. Bloodstains covered the walls, ceiling, the carpet, and furniture. There was also multiple items that belonged to those women in the basement, such as wigs, shoes, underwear, and even a stun gun. Also in the basement was the computer that was used to get the map from Expedia. And a later search of the home turned up several videotapes, and the contents on those videotapes was so graphic and disturbing that officers that watched it had to go for counseling. A videotape labeled Your Wedding Day, it shows Travis raping, torturing, and abusing several different women. And in another part of that video, Travis is shown killing Cassandra Walker as she's chained to a wooden support beam in the basement. And he killed her by wrapping a belt around her neck and strangling her with it. It's, I just find it very sad that, you know, he never went to trial or prison for what he did to these these women. And I believe that he was admitting his guilt when he killed himself because he knew he wasn't going to get out of that. And I I just feel so bad for those, those women. I mean, some people might say, yeah, they're prostitutes, but, you know, they're people too. And I don't think people really go grow up with the... Um, career desire I don't think any little girl or boy has ever said I want to be a prostitute when I grow up people that go into like the sex industry do it because they have nowhere else to turn to make money to survive in the world 
and like I said, they're people too, and they're families, and they deserve justice, and they never really got it, because he killed himself. Well, y'all, my throat is still sore, but um, that's all I've got for tonight. Y'all be sure to come back on Friday night for What the Friday. Have a good week, y'all. <laughs>